Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Deal Talk. Today, we are here with my guy. Actually, he's not my guy yet, but today, he's he's now my guy. We're and, getting there. And, 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 uh, uh, Dan Fulkerson. All right, I'm, it's I nice to be here. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Owner, well, co-founder, co-owner of Bada Fulkerson uh, uh, Law Firm. Yep. Okay? Yep. And forgive me here because- The ladies, Bulldog Attorneys. The Bulldog Attorneys. He's known as the Bulldog Attorney, and we're going to get into that story as to why. Even though he's a bulldog, yes, of course. But there's if you guys are looking at the uh, the uh, YouTube here, he's got a little bulldog on- Look at him. Look at this guy. He brought one for my kids. I love that. So anyway, we'll get into that story. But first, let me let me just do a quick shout out to our sponsor. And I realized, uh, uh, Dan, like the first like 30 something episodes, I'm like, I haven't even mentioned our sponsor. And the sponsor is actually me and my company. Well, that's an important sponsor. Right, right. It's an important sponsor. How do you forget that one? Who, who do you think's paying the bills around here? There's no, there's no budget yet. Real Deal Sleep that's, with JD. That's where you go. If you need a mattress, you go to Real Deal Sleep with JD. That's right. Every episode, that's the shout Every out. episode. If you want this train to keep moving forward and you want us to keep moving on this the shoestring budget that we got here, it's Real Deal Sleep that pays the bills. Yeah, re- Refer somebody, realdealsleep.com. Go to the website, purchase some accessories sheets pillows and but 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 straight up guys if you're listening uh for all those that are listening and watching i can't tell you enough uh, i thank you from the bottom of my heart it means so much to me when i get dms and messages and people in public that say they really love the show and and love what we're doing here so if you and i can't tell you how much i appreciate that but uh write a review if you can that'd be great um spread the word share it purchase a mattress or two and keep the train moving so i appreciate it so back to dan fulkerson and i will fulkerson. say let me just add the store really is great. Yeah. I haven't been here before. Yeah. It's not like a normal mattress no. store. You walk no. in, you got a big old fish tank when you walk in. It smells good in here. <laughs> like I'm just saying, it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, as soon as you walked in, you're like, whoa, it's like this. Yeah. Huh? Well, it's like what you said. You're like, I didn't want to run a normal mattress yeah. store. So yeah. I built what I wanted to build. Yeah. And that's how the best things happen. Yeah, you know, I had no idea. Like, because normal mattress stores, they're super bright. They purposely make it uncomfortable for you. Yeah. They want you out as fast as possible because yeah. all the mattress stores are on commission. Yeah. And a commission-based salesperson doesn't want you in there long. Yeah. So they make the lights super bright purposely. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Mine is really low, got the fish tank, got some music no, it's going. That's a good vibe. Right? But it's, you notice it immediately. You immediately. walk in and you're like, this, this isn't like yeah. the other spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. So thanks for pointing that out, buddy. Of course. And that wasn't planned, so thanks for the shout-out, buddy. I got you. All right, so... Bada Fulkerson, dude. I, so you've been popping up on my radar recently, and it's crazy that Kat and Jason, uh, you guys uh, yep. got kind of started to get a little bit close over the past several months, if not what, maybe even a couple years? I think Kat started following me on Instagram just because of all the shit I was talking on Instagram <laughs> through the COVID stuff. That's like, right. I think that's how it all started. It was, how just, it started. it was just me shit talking Todd Gloria and all the other ones just for all the craziness. So yeah, that's how, it, that's how we got linked. That's what it was because... If anybody knows Cat uh, with Catalyst Wellness, she likes to fire off about all the all the stuff that's happening with our government and with uh, the whole thing that happened with COVID and yeah. and uh, and she's a big fan of this guy right here because he just lets it fly because you don't care. I mean, it is no, and I think a lot of people have woken up to the fact that like you got a voice, you got to use it, yeah. and 
we're all now realizing that, you know, things aren't how they're supposed to be in this world and the way that the government is run and the way the government's working right now, it's, it's not equitable. It's not fair. And it's scary in a lot of ways, what we went through the last three years. So yeah, I'm sitting here talking about, it. I'm going to keep talking about it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to follow it. But I think it's important that we all have this conversation yeah. with where the world's going. And, and you know what you just said, it, you, you said it so well right there. You know, we've all, everybody, we all have something to say. Everybody does. Yep. We're all, we all have thoughts. Yep. We all have opinions and we all have thoughts and opinions on what's happening with our world right now and with our, with our, with our country. Yep. We all do. Yep. The problem is only a very tiny percentage of the population are actually speaking up about it. Well, and the other part is that the control mechanisms that are in place in our society only allow a very small voice to be heard. Yes. If you're not in that mainstream voice in that mainstream channel of the messaging that they want to right. propagate, you're not going to be heard because guess what? Big tech is right in there with the government. You know yep. what I mean? Like all these health organizations, big pharma right in there with the government. So it's a controlled mechanism and tools to allow them to convey the messaging they want and control the messaging that they don't want. And that's the problem. That's why people like you and I have to speak up. It, it, you know, in the more you, and you just saying that, like I got like a, a chill one up my spine, not a good one yeah. because it's like people are being censored that are actually speaking the truth that are speaking out, right? They are completely manipulating the information that gets out there. Yeah. I'm right. an attorney, so I understand like the constitution. I understand how it all works. And I get it when people say, well, aren't you worried about speech that's going to hurt people? Sure. I get it. I understand hate speech. I understand speech that shouldn't have protection, but I will err on the side of free speech all day long. I will err on the side that every now and then something's going to be said that might hurt someone or might cause something over controlling speech over regulating speech that is a scary society and i don't think people understand the slippery slope i don't understand i don't think they understand the last three years how it's ramped up so quickly and how voices are getting stomped out so quickly and i think if we don't wake up to it we're gonna live in a world that we don't recognize very quickly very soon yeah right yeah it's happening in front of our very eyes right in front of our eyes this morning i woke up and i think i shared this with you, you did they literally, the government's posting that now these side effects from vaccines are from non-vaxxed people scaring and harassing people that have been vaccinated. And that's causing so much stress that they're having side effects. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, that's what that's that's your play. That's your move. But what's sad is people are so programmed and. I'm sorry, so many people are so stupid that they won't think for themselves and read a book and actually educate themselves that people will buy that. Yeah. Like that will be bought. That's the reason they put it out. They know it'll fly. Yes. Which is crazy. And where does this was posted what? Like in some magazine that's on the, the show. Government <laughs> DHS website. Like a government D Department of Health website. This is not like, you know, gateway pundit or you know what I mean? Like this is like a legitimate source. But here we are. I could not believe what I was reading. It mm. actually said that, like, because of the stress from the anti-vaxxers, like, because they're under stress. Yeah. That's yeah. why they're having side effects. It's now you're in my fault that 14-year-olds are having myocarditis. Your fault, my fault. Yes. Yeah. Which makes total sense in total. this clown world that we live in. But here we are. But to yeah. your But to your point, man. It's scary. Like if, it is. If we don't is if but how how many people can how are you going to go against this 
because what ninety five percent of the information is is one. Yeah, so I mean, like the, I've thought about it so much over the last three years, and I I hate to be the pessimist. I just think that the only answer, the only way we get out of the current situation, is for more people to wake up and see it. And we're having an alarming amount of people that are realizing what's going on and are starting to see the world for what it really is. I just don't know if it's enough. Mm. Some of my smartest friends, some of the people that I have so much respect for, because they're just they've always been the people that I can go to with questions and will give me insight, refuse to see it. They can't. They can't think that the government would be doing bad things or manipulating information or wouldn't be out to protect and help them. And it's going to be really hard when you have this cognitive dissonance with people that just don't want to see the reality of the world, that the government is not here to help you. Right. That is not what they're there for. They no. don't care about you. They don't care what happens to you. That is not what the government's here for. And it's not what the government's ever been here for. And you need to protect yourself. It's your job to protect yourself, your family. That's your job, not the government's job. I, I can't tell you how many brilliant friends I have that are the, like, what is it? Do they just not want to see it? I'd like, this is the smartest human being it's two on things. the planet. It's two things. This is what I constantly get from them. It's, there's no way that there could be that type of coordination, right? That's yes. what they said. There's no way that yep. there could be that type of coordination and there's no way that we wouldn't find out about it, right? Like that, this information would get out there. So there's two problems with this, right? One, they don't understand the control mechanisms. Mechanisms. They don't understand that, you know, all media companies are owned by three different companies, right. right? They don't yep. understand yep. the way that they can control data, the way they control big tech. They don't get that, right? Google is everything. Well, guess what? If you can control Google and control Google searches, you can control information. Yes. It's easy stuff. But they also don't understand. They're like, well, how could it be so coordinated? I'm like, you haven't taken the time to look at how the world really works. You realize that these elite groups and these elite entities are meeting multiple times every single year. What do you think they're talking about? Do you know what the Trilateral Commission is? Do you know what the Bilderberg Group is? Do you know what the Committee of 300 is? Do you know what any of these things are? Because guess what? They're real. And they're talking about how our world will look 10, 15 years down the road. Yep. And these are the people with the money and the power to control how we get there. So when you talk about the World Economic Forums and you talk about these entities, that's the coordination. And all you have to do is just pay attention and to listen to what these groups are telling you and you know where we're going. Yeah. And then you can start to kind of wake up to it. But so many people just won't take the time. It's frustrating. And the information is right there for us, right? 100%. It's right there. You just have to look. You just have to look. Yeah. I have, I have books on books and books in my office. I tell people, I'm like, come into my office. I will give you a starter pack on waking up. Like, we will back. start you on the creature of Jekyll Island, right? So you can learn about the Federal Reserve and you can learn how the Federal Reserve really works. And then we'll go from there. I will get you on a starter pack. I will leave you little breadcrumbs <laughs> and allow you to find it yourself. But the problem is... No one will take the time to even read a book now. No. They've dumbed us down. So like, bad. They have made it where we are this. Yes. We are the society of, oh, how many likes did I get? How many views did I get? Yeah. Like, no one's going to take the time, 10 hours, 12 hours to read a book? No like, way. What is that? Like, it's just, it's sad. And that's why I don't know how we get out of this because the, the best thing that the government can do for us is make us stupid, unhealthy, and lazy. And they have done a and they great done. job at all three of those things. <laughs> and now here we are. So, I, I, yeah, I hate to be a pessimist. Life's great. I love my life. But here we are. 
but did, but dude you you make us dumb lazy what was it it just it's unhealthy yeah, they check. want us to be unhealthy Com- check. right like that's that's the goal like completely unhealthy here's how you knew it right yeah here's how you knew it for a fact during the pandemic it's a health pandemic <laughs> people yes. yeah. it's a health pan they shut down gyms they shut down guess what was a business that had to remain open fast food mcdonald's yes McDonald's was a business that had to remain open, but you're going to shut down gyms and you're going to tell me they care about your health. What they could have done is go, Hey, everyone, we're going to have local farmers markets. You're going to be going out. You're going to be getting your food, your produce. You're going to be eating healthy. We're going to teach you about exercise. We're going to teach you about how having to survive through a pandemic. I went and lost 50 pounds in the pandemic. Why? Because I'm like, well, this is a wake up call. Yeah. The one thing I can control is what I do for my own health and how I treat my body. And I'm not putting any untested, oh, this is what you should take because I tell you to take it. Just obey blindly. I wasn't going to do that. So I was like, well, what can I do to control my own life? I'm going to get healthy. So I lost 50 pounds. Wow. You got people out there that are like sleeping through this, not realizing like, Take some control over your own life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. take some take some ownership over your own self. Go into the gym. Get fit. Not for a six pack. I'm never gonna look like you. You know what I mean? Like I just don't want to die. Like that's why <laughs> I'm waking up at six going, okay, I gotta go because I don't want to die. Like that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. I've seen what the last three years are. Take some ownership. <laughs> and as you say it, fast food was deemed essential. Essential workers, essential business. Think about it. How many people are touching the food, right? And the people are driving around through the drive-thru. Think about that. It's insane. Well, like insane. Just remember, like the 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 freeways were clear. There was no one driving. It was, but then you drive by an In and Out, and it was like a rave. Like it was like like like, I'm like, whoa! Everyone's just. I'll take three double doubles. Thank you very much. Like I'm just like, what is going on? You literally had a mayor of what is allegedly the greatest city in this country on air shoving a burger in his mouth going, just go get a shot and you can have three of these and be healthy. And I'm just like, what kind of idiocracy clown world are we living in? And how can you watch this and not go, someone pinch me? Like someone pinch me. This isn't reality. This This isn't happening. No, no. You had priests using water guns, shooting babies in their face to baptize them. Like that's the world we all lived in and we were okay with, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. As much as I was going to get into his backstory, I don't know. I want to keep No, we're not even going to talk about the law today. We're just talking <laughs> we're about the, gonna... the world's burning. It's a dumpster fire. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the inspirational story as to how uh, Mr. Dan got here in the law. Now we're just going to talk. <laughs> we're just going to talk about it. And this is why Kat and followed me and how I got here. This is how we this got kind here. of shit talking. She yeah. goes, you got to bring him in. <laughs> and this is why. You're going to lose all your followers after this episode. <laughs> Uh, maybe it'll be, be a threat to be banned for this one. Huh? Right? Then I'll really be arrived. Yeah. Then I really arrived. So you know you made it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're getting back on this. All right. So yeah, hold on. So then remember, you remember they said church wasn't essential. So worshiping wasn't essential either. But the strip clubs, remember they left the strip clubs open. Do you remember this? Oh, and the best part is just look at the track record legally for all of these things that they've rolled out. 
all of them have been deemed to be unconstitutional. They've gotten slapped in their face on every single one of these things. Every single one of them. But that's that's what bothers me as a lawyer, right? Like they know that these things are unconstitutional they when they do them. They, they're very aware how it's going to come back legally. They just know that they can do it for a period of time because the court systems take time to be able to catch up, especially in COVID. That's what bothers me. Biden knew that he couldn't roll out and give away free student loan money. He knew that that was going to get pulled back, but it was a political move to be able to get votes. Those are the things that bother me. It's like it's a gamed system on both sides, by the way. Like, yeah. please know that. I think both parties are absolute dog shit. Let me state that. Like, just because I do, I think both parties are dog shit. For and the I record. think for the record, <laughs> and until we realize that it's two wings to the same bird. We are all having the same problem because half of this setup is a divide, distract, you know, put us at, you know, put the ants in a jar, shake the ant jar and see what happens. Right. Like that's what the, the real question should be. Who's shaking the jar? Yeah. Not why are the ants fighting? It should be who's shaking the jar. And so many of us don't see that. So. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm actually like a, a very like independent person. I think that anyone who takes any opinion based on a political party stance is an idiot. I think you should take each independent issue, look at it with your brain as a human, common sense, and then make a decision. That's the way that I think the world should work. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think so much of it is just a game system right now. It and is. I think so much of what happened in COVID, they knew that they weren't going to get away with, but they knew they could get away with it for a period of time. And it's just like the student loan thing. And I think both parties are guilty of it. And until we all wake up to that reality, nothing's going to change. And so, uh, <laughs> like, how do we, how do you, how many people have to wake up? Like you said, you think, it, unfortunately, you think it's. Look at Brazil. Okay. Talk that's to me. a country that's waking up. Look at Brazil. Like that country finally went enough is enough because they realize that their elections are rigged. They realize that there's elite groups that are running their country and that the people are just a facade of power. There is no power in the people and they are now revolting. And you've seen that that election was over a month ago and yeah. the people are still in the streets and they're not going anywhere. But those are the type like that's what I mean by wake up. Like the, the power is in the people once the people realize they have the power. All of these manipulations and controls and mechanisms that have been put into place. Why are they in place? Because in ancient times, the biggest fear that these monarchs and these elite groups that were behind the castle walls had was that the people would storm the castle and kill them. Because that's what used to happen, yeah, right? Yeah. Once the people had enough, back in the day, the people would storm the castle and they'd pull those elites out and they would do very bad things to those elites. And those elites woke up to that. So what did they realize? Well, we need to start to put in control systems to control the masses, to control the people. And it's just been an evolution since then. And that's the way that the world works. We're basically playing from the day we're born. And you know what's funny is because the, the title of my uh, podcast is We Were All Born to Win. Yeah. But then I follow up that by saying, but the problem is we're all programmed to lose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Would you agree with that? A thousand percent. We're all like, we're playing a rigged game from day one. They don't want you to know how powerful you are. They don't want you to know how powerful your mind is. They don't want you to know how powerful your energy is, how you can manif manifest the life that you want. I say that people get all woo woo and weird, but it's true. Once you realize how life really works, the game's changed. Yes. And they don't want you to know that. They don't want us to know no, that. They don't want you to know that. Isn't it crazy? It's nuts. Have you? I gotta. Have you met my guy Jeremy, who was on my podcast? Last name. Jeremy uh, Griffin. 
I don't think so. Okay, you guys got it. I'm going to send you his podcast. Going back because he this is the his whole podcast was this exact thing the yeah. rig, the rigged game that we're playing. Yeah, and he started with the Federal Reserve. Yeah, yeah, same thing. People don't even understand it. Yeah, yeah. Creature of Jekyll Island. You want a place to start? That's the book. What does it talk about? Give me give me a quick synopsis. So it's basically how the the Federal Reserve started. So they tried to start this this centralized federal bank, and our our original leaders of the country realized that this is what we we, we were running from. We don't yeah. want this because that's how you create elite power and elite structure where they can kind of control the masses, yeah. right? So we ran away from a centralized bank, and then J.P. Morgan and all these elite bankers were able to you know kind of crawl into the government systems and get people that they wanted to elected. And they all went and they went to Jekyll Island and they put together what would be the Federal Reserve. And it's a structured bank that is basically a private bank that makes it seem like it's a federal bank and controlled by the federal bank, but it's not. It's a private bank controlled by private elite bankers. And that has run our financial system for a very long time. And then when Nixon was in place, then we lost the gold standard and then the rest has been history. And now we're slowly going to see, in my opinion, the dollar lose its value as the world currency. I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a transition. But Is, is it going to go to totally digital? I don't know where it goes, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at the current push, centralized digital bank currencies, is, is, I think, is the, the most likely move, right? You go from that with the dollar, and then it's an easy thing to change off the dollar once you have a centralized digital currency. Centralized digital currencies are scary as shit. Yeah. Everyone should be scared shitless of them because it's digital money that the government controls. They can give it to you. They can take it away. They can tell you what you can spend it on. They can tell you how long you have to spend it. There's a war. They can pull it back. You say something that they don't want, they can pull it back. Like That's scary. Yeah. Like. I, no offense, like, give me cash, give me gold, give me silver, give me something that I can control. I don't trust the government. I don't want you controlling my life. I don't want you having control of my life. Sorry. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Crazy. It's nuts. Nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. And it's we'll see. Nuts. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's all, it's all, you know. What about the guys that we, we're, the, the thing that's coming out with FTX, like what, like he was actually funding stuff with his. That shit's so creepy and crazy. Yeah, I mean, right. just when you look at the government connections, but it also goes back that on a lot of these situations, when you start to dig into them, there's those government connections there, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all, it, it, it's just now, now people that have woken up, people like you and I that are seeing the world for what it is are starting to dig. And there's more and more of us. And the internet is a crazy place. And I think it's kind of gotten away from uh, from them a little bit where they realize like we can get information that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to get back in the day, right? right? Like when they took out JFK, they were able to do that a little bit differently then than they could now, right? So it's just the game's changed. I don't know where it goes. I don't know if we have enough power to be able to change to where we need to or whether they, you know, keep pushing this agenda that they're pushing. Who knows? Who do you think took out JFK? Shit. We're asking real questions today. <laughs> um, CIA. CIA. Since you mentioned CIA for sure. Um, I think this is a one for you. I think uh, George Bush Sr. was very involved. If you wow. dig into that, I can give you a book. It's called Family of Secrets. The Bush family is some of the most evil people on earth. Like That's why I tell you I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. The Bush family are literally some of the most evil, evil human beings on the face of the earth that's ever touched this face of the earth. And when you wow. dig into what he did as the head of the CIA and yeah. Iran-Contra, and Man. oh, they were running running drugs through Mexico up into the United States and distributing drugs. Who were they running them through? Hmm. Bill Clinton. Hmm. Bill Clinton state. Yeah. It's interesting. It's all connected, but 
in my opinion, the CIA was involved. George Bush, there's pictures of George Bush Sr. in Dallas the day JFK was assassinated. Uh, George Bush wouldn't admit for like 25 years that he was even a CIA agent at the time. When he was asked and interviewed where he was the day JFK was assassinated, he says he doesn't remember. And then pictures of him showed up in Dallas. There was also a DOD wow. release with a couple names on there for an investigation into JFK. George Bush's name was one of the names on there that was released in the DOD list. He denied it, said it was a different George Bush, right? that worked for the DOD. They tracked down this different George Bush. And he's like, I'm like a paper pusher secretary, bro. Like I've never been listed in anything. So is this big old huge cover up? You can find the documents. I can give you the book. But that dude was in Dallas the day JFK got shot. He was working for the CIA. He lied about it. There's a picture of him there. Shit doesn't add up. That's where I'm going to leave it. it <laughs> you're going to leave it there. But also, what's the reason they took him out? Oh, I mean, he was that that's easy. Just look yeah. at his speeches for the the month following or the month preceding his death. I mean, he basically came out and he did a couple things. He was going to disband the CIA. That's the biggest thing. Secret societies, these secret government societies. He came out and, and gave a speech against them, like all things that are done in secret are, you know, evil and we need to shine a light on them. And he was going to change the playbook up and they weren't going to let him change the playbook wow. up. But if you look at his speeches for the month leading up to when he got taken out, you don't have to ask questions. Just listen to what he says. Real simple. Real simple. He so, talks about the bankers. He says they're some of the biggest threats to our nation, even outside of exterior foreign threats, the internal elite bankers that have been running this country for decades. JFK names them, like calls them out. And then, and then what happens? Yeah, and he gets taken. Wow. All right, we could go down. All right, so hold on. We're going to get some back. And I'm not some crazy guy, by the way. Now this is where we're at. Now we're like, now we're a conspiracy theorist podcast. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. JD's whole platform yeah. changed. Right? With this one this guy. This crazy now damn guy is on here talking about JFK. I'll give you books, people. Not crazy. <laughs> this is exactly what Jeremy did. Jeremy, because he was saying stuff like this the whole time. And he said, listen, I, challenge me. I'll, I got receipts. I'll show you the books. Yeah, I'll I got tell you receipts. where to find it on Google. I enjoy reading, unlike most people. So yeah. I've read all these things. Yeah, so, yeah. We're at the point now where people not only can people or will people not read a book, people won't even comment on a post anymore. Yeah, like like now it's just the they made it so easy for us to just do a symbol. Yeah, right. Yeah, like you can't even comment anymore. We don't yeah. have time for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. All right, let's get some backstory here. Yeah. All right, because that's the platform here. I like to dig into the backstory. All right, yeah. where were you born and raised? Born in Chicago. Okay. Raised in Eagle, Idaho, um, outside e Boise. Yeah, Eagle, Idaho. Are you kidding me? No. You do know where the Awaken is going next. Yeah, I know they're moving. Eagle, Idaho. Yeah, I know. I know. That's where I grew up. That's Eagle. My, that's my city. Yeah. Well, it's not much of a Colin city. And Melissa it's my are, town. Colin and Melissa, I'm shipping uh, a sleep system to Eagle, Idaho next week. Connect me. I can plug them in. I just opened my uh, office in, in Boise. I'm opening a satellite office. You're so. kidding me. No, I opened four months ago. Oh my god! I can't yeah. believe this. Yeah, I never even heard of Eagle. Yeah, until until he. Well, so it's it's now like a it's there. now a bigger place. When I grew up there, there was one red light. Like there, it was it was farm town. Like I grew up, like it was not what it is today. It's it's grown quite a bit. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. So you were you were raised in Idaho. Raised in Idaho, farm kid doing that, and then turned eighteen and was like, I don't want to clean another Br horse stall. Yet yeah, two little sisters. Um, you know. 
mom, kind of single mom raised. And okay, so the parents divorced? Parents divorced what? early. Dad worked a ton, so mom was kind of the main the main person. What, what age were you when they divorced? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Do you Fourth remember grade. it? Oh, yeah. Was it, was it rough? It was rough, just like it's rough on any kid, but now, like hindsight, I'm like, how did you two get married in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're the most opposite spectrum people on earth. Yeah. Like, they should have never been together, so it, it makes more sense for them to be apart than it does together. Up to the divorce, do you remember them arguing? Do you remember, how was the household? My dad was gone all the time. Oh, he was? He was working all Work, the time. All so the time. was my mom. Like, my mom just held it down. And my mom's like, like the most G awesome mom ever. Wow. Like, like just like that person, like yeah. community mom, like still is. She runs a stroke program at St. Alphonsus in um, Boise. She like lives for her patients. She lives to help people. She's one of those people that I have to go like, hey, we need to buy you new clothes because you haven't bought yourself clothes in 10 years because you buy everything for everyone else. She's yeah. just that lady. She's wow. amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yep. Yep. How, very, how very blessed. And, and how old are you? 38 years old. 38. Young yep. buck. Young yep. buck. How old's mom? Shit. 61. Nice. Sorry, mom, if you're younger. I think you're 61. Yeah. <laughs> Not much, not much older yeah, than me. Yeah, 61. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. So any sports? What did you do in high school? What did you do? Uh, basketball. But, I mean, after I got out of, I mean, I played on a traveling team, but I was never, you know, it was never anything that I was, it was going to go anywhere. How did you like school? Were you good at it? Were you, did you like teachers? Were you... So this isn't a, this isn't like an arrogance thing. Like I've never like had to very much apply myself because yeah. I have a near photographic memory. Yeah. Like you give me something to read. Yeah. It's done. It's like done. in law school, I'd show up, I'd be the guy that would go to the top of the class, hoodie on, headphones on. I'd play some game on my computer. Teacher would be like, you guys are spending $50,000 a year to play games. I'd be like, yep, that's me. Give me your book. I'll read your book and I'll go get the best grade on your test. And that's what I do. I it just came think, easy. Yeah. Like at school was, I just, I have a nearly photographic memory. So you give me something to read. I'm going to read it. I'm going to remember it. I'll go take your test and let's move on. I don't need you to teach it to me. That's how I've always been with school. Yeah. Don't teach it to me. Give me your book and let's go. So, so, in, so in high school, did, did you have an inkling that you were going to get into law? Yeah. You did? I've just always been that argumentative person. But I, I went into law for the wrong reasons. I went into law because I was broke and poor. And I was like, this is a way that I can escape being broke and poor. And maybe I can go make some money and I have a little bit more stability in my life, which is the worst reason to get into anything in yeah, life, yeah, right, is yeah. money. I just got very lucky that I found what I'm supposed to do, right? And I think that's the biggest blessing in my life is I, I, I got my MBA at the same time I got my law degree. I did them both in two and a half years. It was wow. a hell of a grind. I'm the only person that I know that's done them both in two and a half years at the same time. I was just, I, I was ramen noodle diet. Like I was worried about having to go back to Idaho. So it was like, what can I do to make money so I don't have to feel this way? Because um, grow, growing up, you had no money. Yeah, well, I mean, we just did like... It, we may do right. Yeah, like right. in, and, yeah. and once I was out of the house, like I didn't have a ton of family support. So it was like, like I went to Mesa college, got in state tuition, like just made do. Oh, you, you went know? to Mesa. Yeah. I went to Mesa. Yeah, it was two years at Mesa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, so, okay. So what brought you to San Diego? So I'm jumping here. I'm jumping ahead. And I didn't okay, need to, you want to hear the weirdest, you want to hear the weirdest story I ever? Shit's so bizarre. It Come creeps on. me out. Okay. Me. Eighth eighth grade. This is how you know you manifest your life. I'm going to tell you two manifestation stories, okay? Okay. I've manifested my whole life, right? All right. 
Eighth grade, here's my assignment in class. Write a letter to your best friend. You're 30 years old. You have not seen him since your graduation, 12th grade year, okay? Fill him in on your life. Where are you at? What are you doing? That's your assignment. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. I write this letter. I don't remember this letter. I found this letter three years ago, okay? I'm going through my house. I'm in a bad mood. I had a bad day. I found this letter. I'm just going through shit organizing. This letter, literally... Is to my best friend, still my best friend, Brandon Sweeney. It lays out my whole life. It is, and I'm in eighth grade in Eagle, Idaho, living on a farm. I've never been to San Diego at this time, okay? Never visited San Diego, never stepped foot in San Diego. I just know I'm a farm kid that doesn't want to live in Boise, Idaho, or Eagle, Idaho for the rest of my life, okay? This letter that I found, literally, and I framed it, it's in my house. I'll send you a picture of it because you won't believe it. It is... Hey, Brandon, just to catch you up, I'm living in San Diego. I started my own law firm. It's one of the biggest law firms in San Diego, the most successful law firms in San Diego. I just bought my house. I have an oceanfront house and an oceanfront view. I'm still not married. Funny, crazy there. No surprise. Life's great. Blah, blah, blah. It laid out my entire life, right? Like my entire life. And I wrote this when I was in eighth grade, never lived. Here's the trippy part. So obviously it's a school assignment, so you have to address it, right? Yeah. So you put like, you yeah. make up a fake address. So I just made up some bullshit like 295 San Diego Avenue, San Diego, California address, right? Because I'm writing it from where I'm at. I show this letter to someone. I send it to Brandon, yeah. right? And I'm like, check this out. Like the, I list, I laid out my whole life in this letter. He calls me like five minutes later. He's like, have you ever Googled that fucking address? And I'm like, no. He's like, Google that address right now. So I Google the address that I created when I was in eighth grade. That address is a quarter mile from my office in my house right now. It's a quarter mile. The real address. The actual that's an address. actual address that I just made up in eighth grade is a quarter mile from my office in my house. Like, if that's not some trippy, weird life energy stuff, I don't know what is. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even make it up. What was the address? Do you remember what you made up? I'll send it to you. I have it in a text right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 I'll look at it right now. But yeah, it's that kind of stuff. So then my second manifestation story is I bought my house. My house is in Mission Hills, and there's a building down the road. I had a dream one night. My dream was I'm flying into town, and here's the address. 3994 West California Boulevard, San Diego, California. That's the address from the letter. 3994 West California Boulevard. I made this thing up in eighth grade. Literally, you're looking at it right now. And that's a quarter mile from my house in my office. So I wake up and wow. I had a dr I had a dream. And the dream, I don't remember my dreams, but I remember this dream. And what, what, when was this dream? Three years ago, 2019, okay. yeah. flying into town, and I'm looking out of the airplane, and on the side of the uh, the hillside in San Diego is a building with a big light-up bulldog on the top of the building, right? It's the building that's right down the street from my house. Yes. So I wake up in my bed. I call my buddy, who's a commercial real estate agent. I'm like, hey, that building's supposed to be mine. We're not in the market for a $5 million building. Yeah. I don't have money for a $5 million. I'm yeah. just like, this building's supposed to be mine. Like, I know it. He's like, it's owned by University of San Diego. They're never going to sell it. They never sell anything. They hold all their real estate. Move on. Cool. Guess my intuition's off on this one. Six months later, dude calls me and he literally says, he goes, you have a weird Yoda-like instinct, bro, because that building's on the market and they called my firm to list it. So they're listing it with us. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? He's like, it's owned by University of California. So they won't put it on the market since it's a California 
whatever yeah. real estate product it is an auction so you go into a blind auction so you have to decide you can't go inside the building you can't do anything decide how much you want to pay for it you pay the most you win it's your building like okay pray on it think about it talk about it drive or fly up to oakland put in my envelope offer right we get the building my building what do you think the first thing i do is i put a big blow up light bulldog. bulldog on the roof led eight foot tall you can see it from the five freeway you're driving by it's bright big you won't miss it you can manifest the life that you want like you can it's not as easy as just saying it like yeah. there's action involved in it there's energy involved in it but i just know that it's real like because i've lived that shit and i just it once you get it, you get it. And you said pray on it. Are you are you in touch with God or uh, do you go I to am, church? but not. So, I am. I've always been very spiritual, but not in a organized religion mm, setting. Interesting. The reason why, and I'll tell you, is yeah, yeah. I think it goes back to the control mechanisms. I think religion has unfortunately been used for a long period of time to control masses and to yeah. control people. Right. Whereas to me. God's spirituality lives inside of me, right? Like in how I live and how I yeah. treat people and the energy. And I don't know that I can say that there's one, in my opinion, right religion, true religion, because I, I can't say that if I was born in a different area or born in Asia or born somewhere else, that that's a right way or a wrong way right. for me to live. The only thing that I know is how I treat people, the energy that I live with, the respect that I live with. That's what I, how, how I view religion and spirituality is is just living the right way and knowing that there's something a whole heck of a lot bigger than me, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's an energy that's a heck of a lot bigger to me and I owe it everything that I have and I better damn well pay it forward. And that's how I live. And this is literally like how I have personally operated my life, exactly everything that you just said. And then I, then I finally, to my knowledge, found the only church on planet earth that goes along with like, not the whole religion thing. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At Awaken Church. Yeah. And I went to Awaken, by the way, and I was very impressed. Yeah. I, I like, I was very impressed. It's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, very, whoa, amazing dude. Yeah. All right. So hold on. We jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. That's my fault. Go back to high school. Any moment in high school, uh, grade school, when the parents divorced, um, when they divorced, were they living? Did you have to go back and forth with custody? Dad every other weekend. Dad every other. Okay, that's yeah. what I did. My my parents divorced when I was like two, and I I'd, I'd see my dad. I think it was on a weekend or every yeah, it was other, every week, other something weekend, something like that. And my dad was like, I mean, he didn't know how to deal with kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like I remember like on like Saturday morning, yeah. he'd put us all in the car and we'd go to Wendy's and he'd go order your food for the day. And I'm like, what? Like, order your three meals for the day. This I'm like, this is not how you feed children, but this that's how that's how it worked. But like, at that age, you're like, yeah. Yeah, you don't know. But I'm like, okay, now I look back at it, and I'm like, shit. My big thing when I visited was going to Burger King. Yeah. yeah. Burger King in the mall. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That did was, nothing else. That was what it was. And then we'd go back and watch like Bad Boys, and I was like 12 years old. I'm like, I, all of this was not how it was supposed to be going, <laughs> but here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any any moment in in your childhood that you can distinctly remember that was like a like a, a moment that you'll never forget something that was like an impactful like in high school any friend that you had anybody that had a uh, like a um, uh, an effect on you somebody that ch changed your life a teacher professor a friend anything you can remember from childhood like in high school whatever it's hard to say childhood yeah. Um, I think the biggest effect that I've had on me is uh, the closest people in my life were my grandparents. Mm. Losing them, ah. I think, was the probably the 
biggest defining moment in my life was wow. just like my grandma always said the more you think about death the harder you live right which is yeah. kind of a weird thing like when you but for me it just was a wake up moment of hey this is all pretty fleeting this is all you know pretty temporary you got to live the life that you want to live and it was just, it was a big wake up call for me in just how I live and, and why I live and the reasons behind it. And I think that unfortunately or fortunately, sometimes death has that effect on a lot of people and losing both of them was a big defining moment for and, me. And by both of them, was it how, how long apart? Um, so my grandmother went first. It was an unfortunate deal. She had had like a, a kind of like a medical malpractice deal where they done something and she got a blood infection and they were going to have to take her leg and she decided she'd rather go than have her leg amputated. So it was kind of a quick thing. Uh, my grandfather went about four years after her, but they were in Arizona. So I drive every other weekend and spend it with him and just watched him deteriorate pretty quickly after she went. But just, you know, you, you realize like we all got to be grateful for every single day. And this life is not, you know, it's not what a lot of people think it is on like the, the short term satisfactions and like the, you know, what can I, what can I get right away to make myself happy? Like those, those short term gratifications. Like I just realized so much watching them and how they loved each other and how they lived. Like the, it just made me reevaluate a lot of things in my life. Dude, that's, that's so profound. Yeah. I think really a lot, I think a lot of people you'd learn a lot by talking to older people, you the do. things that are important, the things that are not important, the things that like, we all live our lives like we're going to be 38 forever. Yeah, we're like gonna we're going like, to live forever. Yeah, and it's just not the case. Yeah. And it's like crazy because it's funny because I've been thinking about it more and more. Yeah. And the more I think about it, in fact, I do I do, do it on one of my little excerpts on my podcast is like someday we're not going to be here. Yep. Like, yeah. you know, doesn't that motivate you right there to to, to live your life the way you want to live it? And, and do it hard. Yeah. Like go hard, like go hard, do all the stuff you want to do. Like I do all sorts of weird, crazy business stuff. And people are like, why are you getting into that? Why are you getting into that? And my answer is always, why not? Like yeah. it's, it's not even about the money. You know what I mean? Like I'd make the most money just focusing on the law firm and personal injury and just doing that. That'd be the most beneficial financial play, but it wouldn't fulfill my soul. Mm. Like it wouldn't be me going, I'm going to challenge myself, do other things, have fun in other industries. It wouldn't open the doors that it's open, like live full, like fail, do fun shit. Like don't worry about what other people think. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. No one else gives a shit about you. Nobody. No one else gives a shit about your life, how you're living your life, what you're put like. No one else gives a shit. Go live your life. Go yeah. live your life. No one cares. No one cares. Nobody. And once you realize that, you're free. You're free. Because so many people are just so worried about everyone else. Why? They're not worried about you. They're not living your life. Like I had a, I was caught in it. And then I had a guy, yeah. he was like a business We've mentor. We've all been there. We're not. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're human. I had a business mentor. He goes, bro, you're so worried about what other people think. And I'm like, I don't think so. He goes, let me ask you this. Who's the person in your life that you think loves you the most? Like my mom. Easy. My mom loves me. He goes, okay. What's your mom thinking about right now? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you think she's thinking about you? I'm like, no, probably not. He's like, she's not. She's thinking about her life and all the things that are going on in her life. That's people. That's human nature. So if the people, the person that loves you the most isn't thinking about you right now, why are you worried about what everyone else is thinking? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all noise. It's all noise. It's all it's noise. doesn't matter. No, no. And it's liberating to just, I know I don't roll like a normal attorney. I don't want to. 
I roll how I am, who I am. There's no facade. I've seen so many people that live their life with facade, right? That's a cancer. That's just not going to ever lead to the places of happiness that you want it to. So for me, I'm going to roll in in jeans and J's and a black tee. This is what I am. This is who I am. You get what you get. And most people, what I've found, like it because yeah. they want sincerity. They want an authentic human being that they know they can trust. And I didn't know how it would play, right? Like I'm a lawyer. I'm in this suited and booted. Here's my fancy books and all the bullshit, right? And I just refused to play that game. Just like how you were like, I'm going to run in a different direction. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to run in a completely different direction because I'm from an industry of sleazy, slimy ambulance yes. chasers. And I am not that guy. Like I just don't roll that way. So how can I make sure that everyone knows that I am different? Well, I'm going to do everything different. And that's just kind of how we set up shop. And it's worked out really, really well. And I think it's the reason why we become one of the biggest personal injury firms in SoCal is because we're just not like everyone else. And I don't ever want to be like anyone else. Like, it's just not me. Yeah, because let's be frank here. Let's be completely frank. Yeah. All these, I see them on TV all day, every day. Yeah. And they're the majority, if not all, are straight up ambulance chasers. They care about money. They care about money. They don't That's care it. about people. They don't care. They don't. This is the difference. Yeah. If they settle a case and they settle it a little quickly and they move on to the next one so they can make their money and the client walks with five or $10,000 less than what they'd walk with, it's not going to make a big difference to the life of the attorney. Five or 10 grand to most people is a game changer. Yeah. That's a game changer. I can't and I won't live my life leaving that kind of stuff on the table because it's in my best interest. If that's how I was going to practice then I need to retire. But so many people are in this mill type game, get as many cases in, many cases in, settle them out, go on to the next, settle them out, go on to the next. That's a disservice to human beings. That's why I think my industry has such a black eye because so many people are just about money and they don't even, they don't even hide it. Like I, I used to work for a guy that gave out stuffed ambulances to his clients, literally stuffy ambulances. And I'm like, you don't even care that you're an ambulance chaser. Like you're owning, you're an ambulance chaser. Like I, you know, I just, to me, that shit is a black eye. It is not why I do what I do. I do what I do because I get to help a lot of amazing people. And when you've seen someone that have had their life turned upside down in a car accident, and you've seen someone that don't know how they're going to climb out of the hole that they're in, you realize how important that it is that they have someone there that's actually going to care about them and not the money. And I've taken cases from other law firms, from these guys that you see on yeah, TV, yeah. where I have the client and they're like, they come into my office and they're like, yeah, they're trying to get me to settle my case for $350,000. I'm like, okay, I'll take the case. I'll settle it for 3.5 million. You know how much money that person would have lost? Yeah, that attorney would have put that hundred grand in their pocket real fast and real been fast. able to go out and pay their car payments. That client's life is forever different. Forever yeah. different, right? Change. Just because... A law firm decided to do the actual work. Crazy. But it happens every day. And people don't know it. They go with the salesman. So what do I tell people? Go have a meeting. Turn you into your intuition on. Just sit and turn your intuition on. Your intuition will tell you. You'll know you're getting sold. Or you'll know that someone's there for your best interests. But pay attention. Because so many people are just talk. Just talk. Bada Fulkerson, ladies and gentlemen. You, you heard that there's... There's the 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 promotion for my guy, dude. I love this story. Yeah, and I, I I don't I look, even like promoting myself. I'm like I, I'm the person's like come and meet with me. If you don't like me, 
you should go somewhere else. Yeah. If you comfortable and your intuition tells you that we're the right fit for you, great. Yeah. But if not, keep it moving. It's funny. I say this to, to my clients here at the store. Listen, go shop around. Yeah. Wherever it feels warm and fuzzy, give them your hard-earned money. That's it. That's They're it. like, what? You want me to leave? I'm like, I don't want you to leave. Yeah. But if you want to leave, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. Wherever you feel warm and fuzzy, give them your hard-earned money. If you think they've earned your money, yeah. give it to them. I had this uh, <laughs> 75-year-old guy come into my office, and his son is a friend of mine. And he got hit bad brain injury on a, mm. on a bicycle. And he comes in, and he's like, first thing out of his mouth. And I'm dressed like this, you know, yeah. like very casual. He's like, I'm not signing up with you. I have a friend that's a personal injury attorney, gives me his name. I'm like, yeah, I know him. He's reputable. He's like, I'm signing up with him. I'm just here as a favor for my son. He wanted me to meet with you. No problem. Let's talk. Okay. We just have an hour conversation about life, right? We're just talking about every, like just everything. We're not even talking about his case. Just talking about everything. Yeah. My feet are up on the table. We're laughing. We're just joking, right? Hour in, he goes, bring me your paperwork. I'm not going anywhere. I love your style. And it was at that moment that I'm like, if you just own who you are, the rest falls into place, right? Like the rest falls into place. Like I would have never thought that this, you know, very conservative, well-dressed 75 year old man would ever be comfortable with my baby face self. But all it took was him like sitting down, chopping it up, getting to know who I am as a real human being. And that's what it was. And that's, I think, a life lesson for all of us, for everybody, for everyone. Just be who you are. Just yeah. own who you are. Don't be apologetic. As long as you're being kind and respectful, I think those are the two big things, kind and respectful. Own your authentic self. The rest will fall into place if you can do that. Dude, that was, this is such an incredible message right here. It really, listen, ladies and gentlemen, pay attention to what he just said. This applies to every person in every, whatever you're doing, whatever career, whatever sport, whatever you're doing, be your authentic self. And you see people talk about it a lot. Be you, be you, blah, blah, blah. And yep. then they're just worried about what people are thinking about them. Yeah. Yeah. Just because everything else will follow. Look at my life. I'm the weird bulldog guy, right? Yeah. Like bulldogs run my life, obviously. Yeah. I have six bulldogs. Now, how so, did this happen? Go ahead. Keep going. It happened I, when I was 21, San Diego State. I was a San Diego State kid. I was partying. I was having fun. Half drunk one night. Bought an English bulldog online. Stupidest decision you could ever make. Three days later, this dog shows up at the airport. I'm like, what have I done? Right? Well, what I did was change my life because... I stopped drinking. I had to start showing up. I couldn't go out all the time. I couldn't stay out. I had a responsibility. Dog changed my life. I ended up going and studying at Oxford for a couple semesters, decided that, you know, the law was the course I was going to go. Don't drink at all anymore. Like it just, it, it changed my life. So the Bulldogs became like the legacy piece and it became like what I think I owe a great deal of my success to, but it's also one of the things that makes me happiest of everything. And so I have six bulldogs. I rescue bulldogs. I have my own rescue, but they come everywhere with me. So there's a dog park at my office, right? Like in front of my office, I built my own dog park. We helped build out the little Italy dog park in little Italy because I lived in little Italy and I didn't have a place to take my dog. So we're like, let's build a dog park. So now I have a dog park in little Italy. Like my life is bulldogs. And now 
it is truly everywhere, but that's building an intentional life. And I think people, if they looked at it now, they'd go, how? It was just me evaluating and being self-aware of the things that were important to me and the things that made it happy. And then really building around those things. And I think so many people don't do that. You do that. You yeah. build around the brand, you bring around, build around your family, you build yep. around your church, build around your friends and the things you love. Like that's building an intentional life around the things that you are truly passionate about. Yeah. Whereas so many people are building around things that they think other people right. will be passionate about. Right? Like I went through my stupid, egotistical, narcissistic years. I had two Ferraris before I was 30. They weren't for me. Yeah. They were for other people. That's right. Those cars and those material moves were for other people and for society to go, good job, Dan. Good job, Dan. Oh, cool car, Dan. That shit was a, it was a drain on my soul, right? Because it wasn't what was going to truly make me happy. And so then I finally took the time to go, what are the things that every day if I wake up with these things around me, I'm going to smile and live a joyful, good life and then build around that. Fuck what other people think build around that yeah and so th th this bulldog this is crazy dude yeah what made you go buy a book give me what what was the i don't even know god i don't know like i don't know why i bought it that night i don't know how it happened you this, buy this, it online yeah the dog lived till 18 years old a english bulldog i just lost her last year like i just lost her last year that's what i mean by like the the energy of 18? life 18 years old she passed away three months before her 18th birthday 17 and nine months Stella, she's she is the mascot dog. She's on all the shirts. She's on the top of the. She is the mascot dog. She's my legacy piece. And I don't know how it all happened. I don't know how it all worked the way that it did. All I know is that when we started the law firm, it wasn't a planned start. It was a uh, hey, this is the right life move. Paul and I did it. We're laying in bed at night. I'm texting back and forth with him like shields of justice and like scales of justice and like these stupid logos for law firms. And then like out of nowhere, I'm like, can we use the bulldog? And he's like, absolutely. And then it went and it just, it's the same thing you said, like doing everything different. So we printed out all these shirts with the bulldog logo on them. Right. And we started giving out, I printed out 1500 shirts and we had just started the firm. We did not have the money for it. Paul's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just trust me, right? Gave out 1,500 shirts. We're walking billboards all over town, just bulldog, yeah, bulldog, yeah. bulldog, bulldog. And it just grew. It just grew. And it attracts people because it's fun. I now have people that show up at my office just to see the dogs. I don't know them. Yeah. yeah, we're here. Can we just see the dogs? Sure. <laughs> come on in. I have a lady who's going through uh, cancer treatment, right? Yeah. She shows up once a month just for her bulldog time. She's not a client. No one. She just started following us on Instagram. So she'll show up. I'll bring all the dogs into the conference room, leave her in there. I'll come in 30 minutes later. She's laying on the floor with all the dogs on her and it's her bulldog therapy. Like how, how awesome is that? It's incredible. How awesome is that? Like that is the, those are the things that bring me joy. Um, I get to sit on seven charity boards, seven charity boards. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. Like th that's the shit that like gives me fuel and gives me energy. So it's, I've been able to build the life that I really want to live. And that's why people look at me and they're like, there's no way you're that happy. And I'm like, I'm this happy I'm this every happy. Yeah. fucking day. Yeah. I know it's annoying, but I'm this happy every day. <laughs> like, it's just, I am. <laughs> I know it's annoying. Cause people like, they say that I get that a lot. Like, yeah. always so, are you always so this passionate and this fired up? Yes. Yeah. Why? Cause life's good. And life's short. Life. Exactly. Life's good. Life's short. Give it everything you got. I teach my kids every single night. I'm like, listen, no matter what you do, yep. every single day, you give it everything you got. Yep. Wake up and live with passion. Yep. 
<laughs> you know, the other thing is, and I think this is like life perspective is doing what I do for a living, seeing people that are in horrific injury situations. Like I realize that you can wake up and not come home. Right. Like you can have a moment that changes everything. Right. And those type of moments have given me so much perspective that I don't worry about dumb shit. It's dumb shit. Yeah. I worry about the important things, health, your family's health. Those are the things that matter. The rest of it, it can all be fixed. Any given day, anything can happen. Any given day. Any given day. Life is fragile. Very. Yeah. Yep. So the bulldog. The bulldog. Uh, And so, and now how many you keep, how many are at the office every day? So I've made my employees start rescuing my bulldogs that come into the rescue. What does that mean? So like I all have like Frenchies that come in, right? And like one of my attorneys in my litigation department, and I'm like, well, here's your first one. She got her second one three weeks ago. So she now has two French bulldogs that she's rescued for me. So they come in every single day. Um, My six come in pretty much every day. So we have eight. And then we have my office manager who has a giant golden retriever that comes in every day. So usually nine dogs in the office every single day. Yeah, normal. (laughs) Yeah, just normal. But what's awesome is, so you... I noticed it early on, like I did selfishly is why it started. I wanted to bring the dogs for me. I love the dogs, but I realized I have these injured people that are coming into my office. The last place they want to be is a law firm. They don't really know me yet or like how I vibe. So what happens is they come in, you can see it on them. You can see the energy. They come into the office. They're sitting there. They're filling out their paperwork. You can tell it's like, this is not where I want to be. And then sure enough, one of the dogs walks up to them. And the dog will like sit down next to their legs and they'll just kind of look down. I'll watch them like on the camera. And then the dog will like, look back and then sure enough they'll start petting and then it just dissolves and then we can have a human conversation and then we can have a real conversation it's just like a it's a very good emotional support and so the dogs are part of every meeting the dogs sit in on depositions like we have court reporters that are like we're not starting till the dog's in the room like it's weird but it works (laughs) like it's a good energy like it's (laughs) it's just there's no bad days you can't have bad days with nine dogs running around it's impossible It's it's not possible like it's just good energy so yeah, because dogs just love you no matter what. Yeah. The only argument, me and my law partner, choosing a business partner is as important as choosing a life partner and choosing a wife or choosing a husband. Yeah. Me and my law partner have had one argument. And the argument that we've had is how many dogs are allowed in the office. And right now I'm winning because it started at five and we're at nine. So we'll <laughs> see where it goes. But that's the only argument that we've ever had. All right. Question here. Yeah. What about who takes him to go to bathroom? Uh, we have a dog park in front of the office. Where they just, they're able to go in and out? Yeah, literally. I literally made a dog so park. Is there a, fr- a hole in the door they go out and through the... So, no. So I walk them out the front of the office and it's like 15 feet away from the front door of the office. So twice a day, we walk out. All six of them chase me. We go into the park. They do their thing. Go right back in the office and go to work. So they all go at one time. Oh, yeah. I'll send you a video. It's hilarious. <laughs> they're just chasing me out of the office. Yeah. And I'm like on my phone, making a call, like doing my thing. And yeah, it's our life. Now, wouldn't I just heard, I've heard this recently. Uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, Hoffman uh, at uh, Wake and Pathfinder. Conference. I watched him speak. It was amazing. Wasn't that amazing? Amazing. Amazing. Living life intentionally. That is a true example of it. hundred percent. Yep. I and, loved it. And if you remember, the biggest thing he was talking about was success is just a platform for you to yep. bless others. Yep. Because right? guess what? When you're at the level, and, and I don't know if I'll ever be at a Hoffman level, right? Like right. he's at a different type of level. Uh, uh, founder of Priceline.com. Yeah. I mean, it, he's, he's, he's talking bees, right? Like yeah, we're, bees. We're yeah, talking like nothing. Yeah, exactly. 
once you get to certain levels, you realize ones and zeros is what it becomes. What I mean by that is, is it money becomes ones and zeros on a screen, right? It's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you that type of life purpose. Like there's so much there. There's so much there that that can't be why you live your life. And he figured that out, right? He figured out that this is all just a platform to give me the ability to bless people into that will bring me joy and fulfillment. It's not the money. And I think, that so many people get caught up in the money they do. The, the, the private jets and the yeah. that shit's never going to make you happy look how many look how many rich people are miserable yeah most lot. most most you're right the majority of very wealthy people are not happy because they traded something for that wealth yep. right somewhere on that road they gave up something it's almost like a deal with the devil that's right, right. it's Correct. almost like a deal with the devil that's not worth the ones and zeros to me on the screen it's just not worth it. Yeah. I've seen too much of it. I'll sacrifice the ones and zeros for the joy and the fulfillment. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'll go back to being a happy valet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's like uh, it's so true, man. And uh, like every, I think every entrepreneur, I think I can say this with confidence because it was definitely me. We all start to chase the money. You all think it's the money in the beginning, yep. but what happens is after however a period of time for me, it was within one year, I think. Yep or maybe two when we started making real money, it, it went really fast. Yep. Like, especially in a cash flow business, like a retail business, it was coming and going so fast. I'm yep. like, this, I need to be focused on something else. Otherwise this isn't gonna last. When you said it, when we were talking before this started, you yeah. said, when my first few years, I had three stores, 20 employees, and I was doing furniture and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And it was draining you. Yeah. Like you're making a ton of money, yeah. but is it worth it? Is yeah. it a lifestyle? Is it, is that, is that fulfillment? Right. And now you've dialed it back. You've concentrated on your niche. You're doing just mattresses and you can live a lifestyle that you actually enjoy. Yeah. It's yeah. not just ones and zeros, right? right? Like it, there's a balance to no, this. No question. Yeah. And now I have the time to use my other calling in life, my yep. platform yep. to, you know, inspire others to impact 100%. the world through other people's voices, through my podcast. I'm able to, I have the time to live the life that I actually want to live and inspire others. And it's incredible. Which gives you way more fulfillment than you taking that one private jet trip. A year, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's not going to be it. Like that at the end of the day, like when you're laying on your deathbed, right? You're not going to be worried about the ones and zeros in the bank. You're going to be thinking about how you lived your life. That's what you're going to be thinking yep. about. And the impact. And the impact. When I went to buy this building that I bought, our office building, it was a five, $6 million purchase. I've never made a purchase like that. Like I wasn't planning on it. I do. I had to go kind of all in on it. And I called one of my mentors and he said that exactly to me. He goes, Dan, when you're, when you're 85 years old, 90 years old, and you're laying on your deathbed and you're thinking about your life, are you going to be worried about that extra five or 6 million bucks in your bank account? Or are you going to be worried about like you made the moves that you wanted to make and you lived your life how you want. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, I'm buying this building. Yeah, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's been the best decision that I could have made, but it's, you just, that's what I mean by life perspective, talking to older people, realizing that the way that we see it now isn't going to be the way that we see it then. And being able to really like have the time to meditate and reflect on that. So you can build the life that you truly want. So many people are just running this rat life race where they don't have time to like go, I'm going to look at my life five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out. And are the decisions that I'm making today going to give me that life? That's why I think goal setting 
setting, writing down your goals, following back around on your goals is so important because it keeps you on target. Yep. So many people are just running, 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 going through the, going through the mundane, not only the mundane, but the grind. Yeah. Like there's people that are really grinding right now that you, you don't even have time to don't have time. They're not intentional enough to make the time to really think about and be intentional about what's the next five years look like? What's the next 10 years? Yeah. They're just every day, wake up grinding till, Oh my God, I'm home. I got to go to bed. Yep. Dude, it's sick. It's crazy. Yep. Especially now with the, the phones and social media is th- then that whatever, whatever time we did have yep. is gone because of the phone. Bro, I don't know how you do it with kids. It's the scariest shit yeah. to me. Like, crazy. Because they have access to everything. Everything. There's no way that you can go. Okay. We're going to slowly cultivate as a human being these things that you have access to, right? As your brain is able to accept and understand them. It's just a free-for-all flood. Free-for-all. So scary. So scary. So scary. Yeah. We can get into that topic. All right, let's go back. How did you get... So you... So... How, what brought you to San Diego? I, I don't remember if you actually... I know you manifest in eighth grade, but when you graduated high school, or what age did you come to San Diego? So and, and how and why? Me and my best friend left uh, Eagle, Idaho, and we went to Chico for one year because he had family up there, and his parents were like, you have to go to Chico for a year. I was like, I'll sacrifice a year. We're gonna, we already knew we were coming to San Diego. So went up to Chico. You already knew. Yeah. You had planned it. Planned it. Knew in my, like, we knew it was a one-year deal. What, why? What, who was here? How did you Nothing know? was here. It was just so I different than Eagle, Idaho. Yeah, I'd come one time when I was a junior in high school. That's it. And I went to Mission Beach, oh, Belmont man. Park. Like I didn't Forget. even know what I was looking at, but I'm like, this is not Eagle, Idaho. This is legit. Like, this, yeah. is legit. Like, this is where I'm going to be. So I went to Chico for one year. Butte College was just a small community college outside of Chico. Transferred down to Mesa College, and that was where San Diego started. And it was immediately like, this is home. Like, I'm never moving. It was so scary because it was like, you're the small p- fish in a big pond. And I, I remember thinking, like, I will always be the small fish in this big pond. Like, I'm never going to. Like, no one's ever going to. And now, like, is 20 years in this place. And, you know the fish has grown and the pond yeah. seems a little small. It's just weird. Like it's a weird life change in life perspective. Like it's, this is home. Like I love this place. And so when you went to uh, Mesa college, did you know yep. then that you were getting into law school? I thought that was the route that I wanted to go, but I'll tell you, I remember after a class I was walking to my car and I was walking next to this guy. He was older. He was like 45 and he was at Mesa. He's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, Oh, I want to be a lawyer. He's like, you're going to Mesa college. You should find something else you want to do. You're never going to be a lawyer. And I remember that like, and I'm like, okay, we'll steam for the dream. Right. Thank yeah. you for that, sir. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, a, it, I think that life could have diverted a lot of different ways. Like I was lucky. I did, I, I did decent on the LSAT. I got a scholarship offer for law school and it just all fell into place. But yeah, there was a moment where I was thinking about just going to do my MBA and not doing law or just doing law and not doing MBA. And if I hadn't had done both of those, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Like it was the combination of those two degrees yeah. that have allowed me to be what I am. Like most attorneys are shitty business people. They don't know how to run a business. Right. They don't know what P and L's are. They don't know financial state. They, they don't know anything. So for me, I look at everything like a businessman. Like I run a, like a business, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm able to grow market, do all these things. Cause I'm keeping an eye on all these, you know, indicators and factors that other attorneys don't even know exist. So wow. without both of those degrees, I'm not where I'm at. Wow. Today. So then the guy tries to poo poo your dream says, go finding something else. So you went on, got your MBA, you're this now, how did you get into the field? Like, where did you start? My background, obviously business. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 
came on to a law firm and basically put their business in place. Because, like I said, most lawyers don't know how to run a business. So, you know, organized structure, um, systems and processes. You started with another attorney firm. Yeah, started with another law firm, a personal injury firm, helped roll out their marketing. It was a smaller firm at the time. Helped roll out all, you know, like they wanted to do a bass billboard stuff. So, you know, vanity numbers, marketing, setting up the systems and processes to be able to do mass, you know, marketing and mil, like it, it mill type work where you're bringing in a lot of cases. It was what gave me the insight that that's not the type of work I want to do. It's yeah. what gave me the insight into like, I don't want to run like a quantity law firm. Like that's just not my thing. Like I'd rather run like a very specific, if I take your case, it's because I'm going to work on it and I'm going to do it the right way. And I don't want to just take every case that comes my way. Right. Yeah. Um, this was a law firm that took everything. It was a law firm that took everything. And th that was the model. And that's a lot of personal injury models is just mass marketing and mass cases and just bring bringing in as much as you can. And I just, it was, it was draining my soul. It was going to give me cancer. It was just not where I wanted to be. And the guy that was running the firm didn't run it the way that I think that you should run a business. And there was things that I saw that I was not okay with. And it got to a point where I saw stuff that I was like, I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm not staying here. And it wasn't a plan. How long were you with them? Four and a half years. Four and, wow. Yeah. So I was there for a while. And what was the final straw that broke the back? Like when you say, all right, I'm out of here. This is enough. I, I found out some very unethical behavior, mm. very unethical behavior that was startling. And I just, I, I wasn't going to be a part of it, put my name on it, be around it. The energy just, I just, uh, as soon as I found out, it was like, okay, now I got to figure out what to do. Um, I didn't. Did you say, Hey, here's my two weeks. Here's this. Here's yeah. It was, it, but rougher than that because I was just, I wasn't happy with what I found out. Yeah. Like it just, it was bad. Um, but yeah, uh, me and my law partner started the firm not expecting, like literally. Where was he? Was he already? Uh, he was at the same place. He so was? He saw, yeah, he saw me packing up my stuff and was like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, here's the deal. I'm out and this is why. And he was like, let's go. So, we so he left with you? Yeah, we left together. Wow. And started Botta Fulkerson on my kitchen table in my condo in Little Italy, pushed it up against the wall and let's figure it out. And it was a 18 month struggle of how are we going to do this in every single dollar going back into the business. We refused to take a single dollar out of the business for 18 months. So every dollar got reinvested back in. That's how we were able to grow as fast as we were. That's how we were able to hire great attorneys and great staff. And I mean, I remember 16 months in, Paul came to me and was like, Hey, I'm going to start driving for Uber. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I can't survive. Like I can't, I can't live. Like I, I, I have to do something and we'd cut everything, like cut gyms, cut cable, cut everything. We were living bare bones. And I'm like, bro, just please give me a couple more months. You cannot start driving Uber. You're like the head of a big law firm now. Like it's just a bad look. And sure enough, two months later we started turning green and everything has been green. We haven't had a bad month since then. Everything's been positive since, but we took that 18 months and built a foundation and a yeah. really strong business foundation. And so I think you look at us and you're like six and a half years. How have you guys That's done this in this six and a half years? Six. Yeah. Six years, six and a half years. And it's because of that first 18 months. It was because we just we tightened belt and we're like, Nope, this is the foundation. This is where we're going to build. And now here we are. And we got big building on the five freeway that you can't miss. We just opened a satellite office in Idaho. Wow. Um, so taking on cases in Boise, going to buy a building in Idaho. That'll be the next play next year. And yeah, we got 26 staff members. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like it's, it's still, I walk in every day and I'm like, this isn't mine. Like whose is this? Cause it's not mine. You know what I mean? It's still just surreal.
it's, it's wow. crazy. Yeah. And what? How, how proud is your mom? What's her thoughts on it? She's just so proud. I'm happy. That's it. She's just so proud. I'm happy. That's all she cares. My yeah. mom is that person. She's like, as long as you're happy. And she truly means that the yeah. fancy stuff that uh, she was worried about me in the Ferrari days. She that was, was when she was worried about me. Yeah. Like she wasn't, that wasn't, she wasn't proud. How long ago were the Ferrari days? Like 29, 28. So like 10 years ago, Bro, I was so stupid. I had like, at one point in time, I had five cars. I had a Ferrari, I had a Hellcat, I had a convertible Bentley, I had an Aston Martin. You had a convertible Bentley? Bro, it was wrapped in Bulldogs, of course. Why not? Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was a crazy. All right, so, so, oh, that's right, because you were, so that was happening before you even had your own. My own firm. Yeah. So yeah. This was when you were an attorney. Yeah. But I was working. I was working for a firm that was all about like fancy cars yes. and all this stuff, and so I fell so into that, that. lifestyle, yeah, not that. realizing like this is not me, right? And then had these, and then realized like these kind of things give you like a peak of happiness for like a week, yeah. and then you're right back down to a baseline. And it's just not. It wasn't fulfilling to my soul. So now I drive a, a big Dodge Ram truck. I got a apocalyptic Mercedes Sprinter van and a Tesla, and here we are. Oh, like, apocalyptic. Oh, bro, I got like a Mercedes Sprinter van, like like full. <laughs> on like something goes down like you won't find me like i'll be gone and like off grid fully solar four by four i mean everything that you can think of like you won't find me so yeah that was that was one of my yeah, uh, I, I know where you'll be that was be, one of my COVID moves. Yeah, somewhere somewhere <laughs> in idaho yeah with my guns and my dogs and yeah but yeah no I, that was one of my COVID moves i bought a i bought a ranch out in el cajon just so i could like if shit goes down i have some security and some space and i bought the apocalyptic prepper van and now i have a little bit of like i was just getting anxiety about where the world was going i'm like i need to make some moves just so yeah. i can have some something something yeah like, yeah like a backup plan here Ex exactly a right. hedge a hedge a hedge yeah so mom was nervous when you were rolling with the ferrari and oh the for sure for sure because my mom's simple like my mom knows that that's not what life's built on right like she knows that that's like that's a trap that that can be a trap and so i think now she's so much more proud and happy just because she sees how I live my life. And she just knows that it's like, it's sincere and I am helping people and I'm doing good work and I'm not, you know, I'm not living for other people or for other things. Like I, she knows I'm truly sincerely in a good place and happy. And that's all my mom cares. That's all she cares about. All she cares. She doesn't care about anything else. I could, I could go back to being a valet, living in an apartment, yeah. doing my, like, are you happy? so happy mom yeah i'm good yeah love that, it that's and that's that's exactly my mom as well same thing yeah it's all that matters. seeing me happy seeing with with a great marriage a beautiful family i think that's the thing my mom's like when are you gonna have kids oh yeah so talking about how do you how are you 38 38 years old i okay. never thought i wanted to have kids um have you ever come close to uh locking down with what's no i was in a long-term relationship okay. and it just you know I, I'm not, I'm not now, but I think that, you know, I, I learned so much and I think that it just, you know, people grow in different directions and like, it, it was such a good experience. It wasn't a bad experience at all. Like I'm so, so grateful for it, but yeah, I've realized that in the last couple of years, like I never thought I want to have kids and I, I've realized that I do, I want you to do. be a dad. Yeah. And I, as scary as that is for me to say, <laughs> um, I do. And you know, I don't know when and how that looks and all those things and finding the right person to do that with is obviously, yeah. as you know, probably the biggest oh, yeah. thing ever. And so, you know, when that happens, how that happens, but yeah, I think COVID woke me up to like mm -hmm. legacy, right. Yeah. And not financial legacy. Right. That's not what I mean by legacy. It's not a, any, it has nothing to do with finance. It means like 
I watched an interview with David Letterman. Okay. Mm. And he was like, I had my first kid at 59 or 61, something like that. He's like the biggest regret I have in my life. And this is a guy that like has, you know, $500 million in his bank account. He's like the biggest regret I have in my entire life is that I had kids so late. He's like, I would do anything. I'd give all my money back just to have like another extra year, extra two years. He's like, I just know like the hourglass is ticking. Right. And this is a guy that's had everything he could have ever had met everyone. But like, that's his biggest regret. And someone that you can like teach life to how to live, why you live, like all these things that we're talking about right now. Right. Like that's important to me. And that's something that I think I, I would be very regretful about if I don't do. And I'd never thought that I'd say that. Like that's a, I know people listening to this are like, what the hell is he? Cause I would, I've never been that person, but here I am. And that's how I feel. And I think that at some point in time when it's right, like I'll be a dad and that'll be a great next chapter and I'm excited for it. And so, cause, cause for somebody like you, that you're, you're, you're has such a, a great, um, viewpoint and knowledge to share who better to share that on than your own little tiny mini me. Yeah. For a while, I thought I'd be a shit dad that you can mold. Yeah. I thought I'd, I thought for a long time, I thought it was too selfish. I looked at like my family situation growing up. I thought it would like kind of repeat a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And then I've realized like, I'm going to do it opposite. Right. Just like, just like the, the firm, right. Yeah. I'm going to run in the opposite direction. Like my kid will be seven telling you like how Ralph stores got started in like the, (laughs) the background of the CEO. You know what I mean? Like, like my kid will be a a businessman by 12, like boy, girl, it doesn't matter. Like I just, I know how I want to be a parent. I know how active I want to be, right? Like I I don't want to do this as like the, well, Hey, it's 6 PM. You see me for two hours. Like I want to like, just like how I've built my life intentionally with everything else. I want like the, the parenthood, the fatherhood to be built into all aspects of my life. And so I want it to be done the right way. Right. Like I don't want to be an absentee dad. And I think I'm now at a place where I can do it the right way. And, and, and and that's so important, bro. It's so important. What you just said is having the time and intentionality. I see you, you you do it the right way. Oh yeah. 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 And, but here's the thing is, and I'll, and you'll feel good about this now. Um, even better, I should say, uh, because I didn't start till 40. Yeah. 40 is when I, we first had, I first had a child with my wife. You happy you waited? Um, it was the most perfect, perfect for us. The timing. Yeah. We wouldn't do it any other. If I could go back, I wouldn't do it any other way. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. For yep. me, because we needed to get all that selfish yeah. stuff out of our system before we were actually ready to fully sew into our children. I think it's so smart. Had we done it five, six years prior, would we have done it really well? Absolutely. But yep. not to the degree that where we were at the age of 38 and 40 years old. There's yeah. no way. Because I see we, people having kids at 20, 21, and I'm like, man. They just, Man, God bless them. You don't know who they're you are. Ready. Yeah. Not, you don't even know who you are yet. You have no idea. No. I think guys like personally, I don't think you as a dude know who you are till about 35. 30, yeah, minimum 30. Yeah. In fact, now that we're talking here, we should make it, it should be a law that you cannot have children before 30. And I hate to say that. And people are like, oh my God. But seriously though, until you actually know yourself or mature yourself, how can you raise a human being? I'll go farther and say, you shouldn't be able to get married till you're 30. That's what I'll go farther. Cause look at the, mar- like you have a 72% divorce rate. In 72%. California. Yeah. In California. Like that's insane. Well, of course you do because so many people don't even know who they are when they're choosing the person that they're going to be with. Like, how is that going to make sense? And then they settle. And then they settle. 
that's how it works. Worst like, word in the in the English language, settle. Hundred percent comfort. Settle. Yeah. So many people are just settling. Yep. Because they think, oh, I'm not going to find anybody. The clock's ticking because of programming. Yep. That you have to do this. You need to do this. You need to get married. You need to do this. You need to right. Yep. So they just rush it rather than actually being ready. Hundred percent. Before they actually know who they are. Hundred percent. Right. Yep. Work on themselves. But the problem now, Dan, is who's going to work on themselves now? It's too hard. It's too late. It's too yeah, it's too late. It's too hard. It takes effort. It takes energy. Just like you going to the gym. Just like you eating your protein. Just yeah. like you it's too hard for it's most hard. people. This is really easy yeah. to do this all day. What did I what did we so how did easy. we start this? The easiest way for them to control us, yep. keep us lazy, keep us stupid, and keep us unhealthy. That's the easiest way. And that is what we've become a society of. Lazy, stupid, unhealthy people that are easy to manipulate and easy to control, but are also very depressed, very unhappy, and very unfulfilled. I wonder why. Think about Jet, what you just said, bro. Think about everything that you just said. It's 100% on the mark. And one, it was depressed, so sad. Depressed, unfulfilled. How many people are on medication right now? Yeah. One, it was so sad. And you know this too. I have people that come to me, because, and I think it's because I live a happy life and they're like, Hey, I'm not in a good place. What would you recommend? Two things. It's, it's the simplest two things. Yeah. Are you working out? Are you exercising every day? Most people that are depressed and unhappy, that's no. a no. Okay. Of course. Second question. Are you doing anything to help and serve other people? If you can't tell me the answer to the, both of those questions and in a positive, that's where you start, start working out every day. Start trying to be of service and to do something for other people every single day. I will guarantee you, you come back to me in a month, you're in a better place. I will guarantee you. Guarantee. I'll bet you whatever you want to bet. Just those two simple things. It's not hard. It's not. It's not. It really isn't. It's not. It's just breaking the programming. It's breaking, breaking the programming. The programming. And dude, what you just said, because I know that my life in the past year... Every single thing in my life now revolves around serving others. There's not one thing that I do that isn't about serving it, whether it's my children, whether it's the community, the church, this podcast, yep. my clients at the store. Think about that. And I know that's where you're at. Yep. So, but look at, I'm 50. It took me till 50 to get to this point where everything it revolves around my universe is, is serving others. Yep. And now my life has never been better. Yep. And that's saying a lot because my life's always been phenomenal. Yep. Right? Isn't that yep. crazy? Yeah. Those two things. So ladies and gentlemen, listen to him. Listen. He's giving you pearls here. Work out. Because what does working out do? You're not going to feel sedentary. You're not going to feel like you haven't contributed to your day. Right? When you go and you work out, even if it's just a 30-minute workout, minutes. right? You're going to feel like, oh, I did some hard shit. The rest of the day isn't as hard. You're also going to feel like you accomplished something. There's also just a natural chemical reaction from working out where you have yep. endorphins and chemicals that are released that are going to naturally make you feel good. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But I can tell you every time after I work out, I feel better. That is just the fact of the matter. And guess what? As a natural consequence, you're going to look better. You're going to feel more healthy. You're going to fit into your clothes better. After a couple months, people are going to start coming up to you and going, hey, you look happier. You look like you've been in the gym. Guess what? Then that starts to piggyback on everything else. It's just the way that life works. Like, it's common sense. Yeah. It sets a little snowball going 
of momentum posi- of po- momentum of positivity momentum you can either have a a snowball of negative which will snowball and you can eat that ice cream every single night and watch those shows every single night and that's going to snowball and snowball or you can snowball in a positive your decisions are your decisions no one's forcing you to live your life other than how you decide to live your life and you can wake up that's what i hate about this whole new year's coming people are like oh january fuck january 1st yeah fuck january 1st you're gonna start something start it today like don't tell me monday yeah what's monday you know what i mean like if it really matters to you tomorrow you know what i mean yeah. like go yeah do it tonight like it's just a bad mindset in my opinion like life is short wake up change today change slowly if that's how you right. you don't want right. to change like where you just go cold turkey change change slowly start with one thing this week Change something else next week, but start making positive changes in your life because you control your life and you control your happiness. And if you're depressed, I'm sorry to say I understand chemical imbalances and everything, but a lot of that's in your control. You can control that. 100%. So talk about that. The people that are depressed, because you said it, the, the, the system, our government, the country, they want us unhealthy. Of course. And They want us medicated. They want us medicated. Yes. And why is that? They want us medicated, one, because it's part of the pharmaceutical machine, right? And unfortunately, it's money, big money. I mean, that's the last three years we've seen that is you see a lot of our leaders are in cahoots with a lot of these businesses because of money and greed. So that's one of the reasons they want us medicated. Another reason they want us medicated is because, one, it's what we've been talking about. It's an easier population to control. And so that's a big part of it. Two, unfortunately... When you have a society of medicated individuals, you also have situations where, you know, you can make money off all different sides of these individuals. You're going to make money off prison systems from depression where people are doing bad things and making bad decisions. You're going to make money off the unhealthy food that they're buying. Like it's all a systemic problem. And they've realized that that's the biggest money capture for them. There's not as much money in health. Right. It's just plain and simple. Yeah. It's money. They make a lot of money from us being unhealthy. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. What happened with it in the last year or two or the last year where all these like food plants were burning down or something? What, what was this all about? Or the 3,000 farms in the Netherlands that just got shut down this week due to climate change. You tell me how you, I mean, I grew up on farms, like how you sh- tell me that farms are the problem for climate change. That seems more like a food supply controls thing. And I think that that's where what we're seeing is when you have Bill Gates as the number one farm owner in the United States, you got to start to scratch your head. But then when you start to see all these other independent farms have these just random coincidental travesties and fires, but also purchases. You're seeing farmers that are having government entities and major corporations come in and buy them for 1.5 times the price of their farm. And you got to start to wonder where this is going. Mm. It's been said for a long time. You control the food supply, you control the population. That's my concern is that they're making moves to control the food supply and to control people. And so I think that people have to be aware of that. Like, in my opinion, everyone should know how to garden. That's not crazy. Like, You should know how to grow your own food. That's easy. Things yeah. like that will give you and your family freedom. And there's a lot of op- options and opportunities out there to learn those type of skill sets. But so many people just... They don't see it. And so exactly what kind of, like what in the last year in the food supply in our, in our country, 
burned down. There's like like what things were happening, like that people should know it's about. It's hard for me to give specifics without people, being able to reference it. Um, yeah. I did. I do these Dan rants on my Instagram, and I did a Dan rant on you all did, this. Yeah, and, you did, yeah, and I gave specifics of like the the places that have burnt down, and like there's been like airplanes that have crashed in places. The weirdest ones where they were having fires in a lot of these plants, and the fires they said were being started from faulty laptops, which just seems so suspicious to me that these laptops were exploding, causing these fires in these plants. And that was hap- that happened several times, and it was laptops that were, but just they were when, blaming the same thing every time. Same thing every time. But what was weird is if you look at the timeline, right? Like, I mean, all this stuff gets a little like conspiracy ish. But yeah, if you look yeah. at the timeline and you look at like, okay, how many of these plants burnt down from two thousand and eight till two thousand and twenty, right? And you look at the the timeline of that. And then you look at how many burnt down and how many had awful devastating things from 2020 till now. It's insane. Yeah. Like you can't go, Oh, well this is just a coincidence. I mean, it's like a times 10 multiplier. So something's going on. I don't know what is going on. My intuition says that there is a move to control the food supply. That's just my intuition. And now, and they're still pushing like not only pushing, but I, I'm seeing like TV commercials all day with c- celebrities and, and Hollywood actors pushing the the booster. Oh yeah, and the and the vaccine still at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. No natural immunity. We're not going to talk about that or anything. Yeah, yeah. I like know. like actual celebrities. Yeah. yeah, that are selling their soul to the devil. Yep, mouthpieces. Literally. Yeah, mouthpieces Mouth for pieces. money. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. But. You know, the most glorious part of that is people are waking up to it. People are now starting to see it. People are now starting to go, not everyone, but people are now starting to go like, oh, this is propaganda. Like when you got a bunch of dancing vaccine needles on Jimmy Kimmel, like, oh, when you're pushing this on Sesame Street to kids, oh, like people are slowly starting to see the manipulation. And once you become aware of it and once you see it, you can never not see it. And that's the beauty of it is once you're awake to it, you will see it forever. And it becomes so much harder for them to play the game. But yeah, you're seeing so many people sell out their souls for money Money. and for what controlling entities want them to do. And it's really sad. And we've watched it for the last three years. And it's so obvious. So obvious. So obvious. So obvious, but you got insider training at the high trading at another level here. Like, like they're, they're doing it, everything. Everything they're doing is right in front of us. Happening on both party sides. Like everyone talks about Nancy. Look at Dan Crenshaw's insider trading record. Dan Crenshaw has worse insider trading record than Nancy Pelosi. Again, both parties are dog shit. Like it is a systemic problem, and it's a it, until we all wake up to it that both parties are shit and we stop pointing the fingers at each other and stop playing these games, they're just going to continue to play it. And I don't know if we ever wake up to it. Like I, I'm kind of now at a place where I don't know if enough people come to terms with the way that our world really is that we can make a really a substantial change. And that's why I'm more going, well, what can I do on my micro in my life to make sure I set myself up for the world that's coming? Because I don't know if we, if we roll back where we're going, I don't know. Because as you, as you said, it's like the, the infighting thing, which is uh, uh, obviously a control thing. Cause they want us infighting. They yeah. want us to keep bringing up racism. They'd want us to keep doing this over and over and over because then they can control us. Racism, the abortion issues, gun rights, all of it, all of it, all of it. It is all in an intentional play to divide and conquer all of it, all of it. And so as, as, on our micro level, 
like people that are listening yeah. and watching right now, what what can we do every day? Like, and you've said it, like, be who you're supposed to be. Yeah. What can, like, because a lot of us are what we're, and I know for me, like, I try to not think about it yeah. because I get pissed off yeah. and like anxiety about it. Like, I'm so pissed off. Like, how is this happening? Yep. You know, lining up for like, it's okay to be McDonald's is open and you know, that this place is closed. Like, how is this happening? Or, yep. you know what I mean? Like the world. I'm like, you know, I just got to concentrate on my own little thing here. Yeah. You focus on your own family. You pay attention to what's going on around you so you can make moves ahead of time. So you don't get stopped or you don't get stuck flat footed with what's coming in life. And other than that, you treat people with kindness and you talk. You keep talking to people. You don't press it on people. You don't force people to believe what you want to believe or what you want them to believe, but you keep talking to people because the more people like you and I that are talking to people with kindness yeah. and talking to people graciously and people will go, these guys aren't like bad people. They're just trying to help people. And then they start listening. And the more people that listen, the more people that can free themselves from, you know, the mind trap that our society is right now. And I think that that's the most that we can do for me on a, on a, a micro level. Like I'm making, I don't know where California is going. Right. So that's why I started the Idaho office. I was very concerned through the pandemic that they were going to force vaccinate all employees. I would have lost a lot of amazing people in my office that I wasn't willing to lose. That's why I took the bar in Idaho. That's why I started the business out there. Wasn't at the time to open an Idaho office. It was to hedge against California so I could hire all my employees in Idaho and have them as Idaho employees who are never going to force mandate anything like that. And then they could work remotely and I wouldn't lose all my employees. It's making moves ahead of time, watching what's going on in society and setting yourself up the best way. That's the most you can do on on a micro level and then taking care of your family, making sure that your family's educated on what's going on, making sure your family's healthy, making sure your family doesn't fall into these traps. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the, the, the COVID vaccine the way that I really feel about it. But I, what I will say is I think parents should do their children a service and look at all the studies before they go vaccinate their kids with COVID. I think that they really should do because this is a lifelong consequence for these kids, yeah. right? Like yep. you, you have to pay attention to these things. And so many parents are just uneducated on it. it. Very, very. And they're not, and they're choosing not to get educated. It seems like, yeah. and they're buying into like that, like this is actually going to help them. It's your child, read the studies, read the myocarditis, read whether they really need it or not. Read whether like they really have a risk from COVID, like go and do some research as a parent. These are your kids. It's the most important thing in your life. And, and uh, go, going back, yeah, dude, unbelievable, right? Crazy. 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 So going back to what we were saying about uh, not not being, a, what was it, being allowed to be, was it married or being allowed to, uh, at a certain age, what yeah. were we talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our 30-year-old standard. Our 30-year-old standard. Yeah. <laughs> the new standard. <laughs> so you're 38. Yep. Um, and, and again, I'll go back. Yeah. Like, for me and Rach, my wife and I, um, the, the age that we start having kids, I, I, like literally we wouldn't change one single thing. Yep. That said, I we want more. Yeah. But biologically, we're at the point where it's like, okay. It's, Janet Jackson just had a kid at like 86, bro. You're good. 86. <laughs> <laughs> did, she, did she really have? What, what, she how, did. I can't remember how old she was, but she just had a kid. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's not possible. No, you can definitely do it. But anyway, um, getting back. So uh, uh, we're going to manifest this for you today yeah. uh, on this podcast. Dan, you are gonna you are gonna have your first child. Oh God! 
Oh God, what? I don't know if I. Well, well, let's see what the time frame is. You're gonna have your first. You're gonna procreate. Uh, you're gonna have your first one. The number forty-two is coming to me. Forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. Okay, that's forty. That it gives you four years. That gives you four years. Yeah, giving me time to cultivate a relationship. Yeah. Right. That's the key. To, yes, that's the key. Go back to what you said. I want to. I want to. Before we end this today, I want you to talk about something you said earlier. It just came to me yeah. about um, choosing. Oh, it was in my office. Uh, how choosing your partner in business as as is as uh, important as choosing your life partner. Yeah. So get into that a little bit. Talk to me about because you and your partner seem to be a really good fit. I'm the best law partner that I could ever ask for. He's the best business partner. He's honest and sincere and cares about other people more than he cares about himself. But we have great communication. But yeah, I see so many. I, I mean, I, I have several businesses and I have partner relationships that are not like that. And yeah. th there's constant issues and constant drama and constant like having to like make sure the other person's doing the right thing. And it's just... That is not, you'll never run a successful business that way. Because um, I want to, I want you to talk business here for a second. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't mean to cut you off, no, but, uh, but I want to hone in a little bit. So give me your, not only how important it is, yeah. but what do you do in the beginning when you're about to see, either you're thinking of a business, you're setting up either I'm thinking about going to business with guy. I thinking about doing a partnership. Yep. Talk to me about all the stuff that you communicate clearly upfront before you actually get started. What's important? So just like a relationship, right? Like you got to lay out all the, th like the important critical life things that you want out of life. And if, if you're not honest with them, you're going to get into trouble later on because that stuff will catch up with you. It's the same thing in a business partnership. I have people come to me all the time. Hey, I'm going to start a business. This is going to be my partner. First question I ask them, are you guys 50, 50 partners? Yeah. How's the breakdown, right? Because if you get into a 50, 50 partnership and it's not a 50, 50 partnership, there will be resentment that builds up and it will never last. So you really got to be, you know, analytical about it and go, what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the table? What's a good split? Let's start there. And then what are your expectations of that other person? Lay all those out. What are their expectations of you? Lay all those things out. And then it's going to be a constant evolution and there's going to be things that change along the way. But the foundation and the core of, Hey, you're the yin to my yang. Like, Paul and I don't do the same things, right? Yeah. Like he'll come to me with shit that is his job and not mine. And I'll literally look at him and be like, why are you asking me this? Like, don't waste my time. That's you. Like, yeah. like that's not what I do. Like, yeah. that's what you do. Like, don't come to me with that. And I have things that I handle that he never will touch and will never see and never know because it's just not what he does. So it's that yin and yang and finding those different, you know, connections. I'm here with you. I've been, I've had the luxury of being able to sit here with you, have a great conversation for two hours. Paul's been in the office grinding, doing work, right? A lot of people would go, how do you get to be out doing all this stuff? And Paul's working. That's our yin and yang. Yeah. That's what he likes to do. He loves to be in the office. He loves to work. And he knows that my value is out in the community, yes. doing charity stuff, doing work, meeting people, having conversations. That's where my value is. So we're okay with that because that's you know a known thing. Mm. But if you don't establish that, that can build resentment. Yes. Right. And so I think that that's a big thing. I think that also it's just the nature of the human, right? Like you have to, just like you're picking a wife or picking a husband, the nature of that human being, you're not going to change, right? Like mm. that's who they are. You got to pick a really good natured human being. You can pick someone who has great business skills, great marketing, great at this, but they're not a good human. Mm. You, it's That's not going to work, right? Like you're going to have issues. You need good humans around you, good energy around you. The other thing I'd tell you is with a business is this is where you spend most of your time. So having someone you enjoy, 
around you is a big part of it, right? Like Paul and I are best friends. Like I walk into his office, flip him off and clear it off with my hand all over the floor just to mess with him. Right. And he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, welcome to work. Happy Wednesday. Like it's, we're best friends. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's still 38 years old joking around, you know, that's what we, we had when we started together 11 years ago, we had sticky hands. You remember those sticky hands? Yeah. 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 And we'd sticky hands each other's desks and pull paper off each other. Like, like we have a lot of fun working together. Like it's just what we do. So I think having someone that you can have that environment that you can build something that you love together, just like when you're building a family, it's the same type of thing. Personalities are very important. You can't force that stuff. Right. And there's also a difference between a main business and a side business. This stuff is not as important if it's a side business and a side hustle, but if it's your main hustle, it's like a wife. Yeah. You pick it like a wife. Yeah. On my side businesses, it's not as critical because they're side businesses, right? Yeah. So it's not as much time. It's not as much energy. It's not as much life into it, but on your main ones, pick it like a wife. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, what age were you feeling for your, your kids? What are you manifesting? You had to be th- think about this already. I think a little sooner. I think probably 40. 40, yeah? Yeah. 40? Yeah. I was going to say 40, but I, I want to give you a little time. I mean, I, th- I think time would be good, but I think 40, I think 42. Yeah, I think time would be good. 40, 42. Yeah. All right. So let's land this plane here. Give me some, let's, I want you to hit me with some more pearls on people because where, where we're at right now, Dan, right now, people are just confused. People are, we've been, we've been beat down with fear mongering for the past two and a half years, like, like never before. And that's saying a lot, right? Yep. People are probably more unhealthy than they've ever been right now. People are more glued to their phones. Uh, they're on social media. They're on their phones more than they ever have, right? Give me something for to give the pearls for people watching, listening right now that have that are starting to wake up. Inspire them to keep moving forward, even though they were going against the grain right now. The ones that are actually making a stand or, or, or the ones that aren't, where do they start? I would say that every single person, and this is a great month to do it, should take a very critical look at their life and on a piece of paper write down the things that they are happy about and the things that they're unhappy about. Mm. And then on the things that they're happy about, how are they going to do more of those things? The things that they're unhappy about, how are they going to change those things and have a very analytical conversation with themselves about that. But then I think the next step is being able to really look in your mind's eye. And when I mean that, like being able to see it and feel it and know what it, what it's like, what it smells like, what it looks like, what your life's going to be in five years. Like really sit there. How do you want it to look? Who are the people that are going to be there? Where is it going to be? What are the things you're going to do? Like take some real time and really marinate on that and see it in your mind and then start making moves to put that together. Because so many people like the the theme of this conversation are just they're running in place and that is not going to ever lead to a fulfilled life. And I know how happy I am is because I live a fulfilled life of intention and I want that for other people. So I think just really, really being self-analytical about the things that are going to make you happy and stop living for other people all the way around. Just stop living for other people, whether it's your mom you're living for, whether it's your, you know, your significant other that you're living for, like you got to break that chain, like be respectful, be kind, spread good energy, but live the life that you want to live. Because if you're living for someone else, if you're living a facade lifestyle, you're not going to find yourself in a place where you're truly happy because you're not truly you. Yep. Yep. 
And, re- and remember this, folks. Remember this. How many billion people are in the world? Seven, eight billion? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Okay. Yeah. Not one has the same fingerprint as you. Nope. Not one. Nope. That means you were designed uniquely with a gift, with a potential that no one else has on planet Earth and yep. in the world. Yep. Nobody. Think about that. As long as you allow that to come to surface, as long as you don't try to paint over the top of that, as long as you don't try to hide that, if you can embrace that a thousand percent, embrace it and then make it a thing, a thing that every single day, make it your mission to become who you were designed to be, cultivate the gift that you were given, right? Get outside, work out. Do something for someone else. This is a holiday season. Community. This is the time we should all be given back. Pay shit forward. Yep. Even if you don't feel like, oh, I have such the short end of the stick of life. Okay, we'll pay shit forward anyway. See where it goes That's for right. you. You know what I mean? Like maybe your outlook will change. But this is like, I just delivered Thanksgiving turkeys around like the skyline area. Like you think inflation's wow. messing with you? Go to some of these different areas of San Diego. Go to Bell Middle School. Go to Knox Middle School. You got a hundred. You got seven hundred and fifty kids. You got one hundred and seventy of them that are homeless. Kids, like this, is the time where everyone should be getting involved. Everyone should be giving back. And I promise you, you will come out of it feeling better about your own life, feeling better about who you are, feeling better about how you live. And that's momentum you can take into next year. And and ladies and gentlemen, think about it every day. The potential, your potential. You should be driven, obsessed with maximizing the potential that you've been given so that, as Dan said, you can give back to others. Because listen, Dan, you, you can't help as many people if you haven't even helped yourself yet. Would you agree with that? Damn straight. Like you, and, and what Dan said, put it down on paper. Work on yourself. And I talked about this to a lot of people, especially women that come to, how do I find a man? How do I find a good husband? How do I find this? You find him by looking in the mirror and becoming the woman or man that would attract this other human being that's looking for somebody solid. A thousand percent. Right? A thousand percent. How are you going to attract somebody solid in your life if you're not solid yourself? If you're a mess. A thousand percent. Yep. As Dan said, write it down, what you're happy with, what you're not happy with, be intentional, what you're not happy with do less of or change it and what you're happy with do more of yeah and how about this turn off the tv and read a book huh Can we wait, start wait, there? wait 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 read a book i don't care what book read goosebumps i don't care just read a goosebumps. book oh, come on people What's goosebumps by the way oh, it's like a kid's book i'm just trying to give people easy shit to start on you don't have to start a creature of jekyll island like pick up a tolkien novel i don't care but Anything. pick up a book yeah come on people and, and there's audible now yeah like we got people watching anderson cooper i'm like well, you're wasting your life over here yeah. like what are we doing like pick up a book but you know. a book do an audible do an audible reach out to me you want it this is an offer yes. i literally have a library at my office like i love giving books to people so you want a book you let me know free book come by my office i'll hook you up you tell me what you're looking for i will make sure it's a book that you like free books come by my office just fucking read them D- dan's offering his consultation services you can go to his office hang out with his bulldogs Get a free book. Get a free book, and he'll give you the blueprint, the starter pack. The starter pack of uh, whatever you're looking up. for. There of you waking go. up. Of waking up to the world that we live in. I got you. I got, got you. You, <laughs> you want to know more about George W. Bush and the CIA? I got you. Like, I, can, I can feed you this stuff. That's easy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, 
Dan Fulkerson, dude, this has been incredible. Thank you for I, having I, me. I, I love this conversation. This we hit, I don't think we could have hit anything else. That we it was hit, great. What other what other topics did we we We've literally outlawed people from getting married and having kids before thirty. <laughs> We've uncovered how JFK was assassinated. Yes. So that's good. Like yep. this has been that's a pretty good, good okay. Tuesday morning. Yeah, like, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, you gave people the uh, The world's spark, burning. The world's so that's yeah, good. You sky's know, falling. Sky's falling. Chicken little, it's happening. Yeah, like it's good. And Happy you've got Tuesday. nine bulldogs in your office. And I got nine bulldogs, so you know life moves on, and yeah, no, and, he, and here we are. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it, was, it really was a pleasure, and yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'm glad that you do this. I'm glad you give people this forum, and I mean it. Like anyone that has questions, reach out to me. Anyone who wants to book, reach out to me. Anyone that I can help, reach out to me. Yep, Bada Fulkerson uh, Law Firm, one of the top, not only in San Diego but in Southern California, and 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 the reason why is because you said it in my office earlier, laid out why you're becoming so popular because you. It's a sad, sad sad reality. The reality is, yes, I have damn good attorneys that work for me. We are really, really well equipped to handle cases. But the reason why we have grown the way we have grown is because we are good human beings and we do things the right way and we treat people the right way. And the fact that that is a, a... a business separator in my industry is really sad, but it is just being a good human and treating people the right way has separated us in the industry. But here we are. And, and the relationship you have with Paul is fantastic because you're over here chopping it up on a podcast. But at the same time, this is also bringing brand awareness to Bada Fulkerson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With, with, with the little bulldog. Hopefully people watching YouTube that he's got a bulldog right by him on the desk the whole time. Look at this guy. Can you see him on the camera? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap with Real Deal Talk. Dan Fulkerson, Bada Fulkerson Law Firm. Hit him up for if you want a starter pack, if you need a book, if you want to go see the Bulldogs, hit him up. He's got you. Anytime. Real deal. Talk. That's a wrap. Uh, Let's go. Thank you for having me. Yes.